Rights, welcome to Out of the Blue from Maze and Brew, part of the SB Nation Podcast Network, a podcast with a more devout following than Ezra Miller. I am Jared Stormer of mazeandbrew.com. With me, as always, is Andy Bailey, my hetero life mate, also of mazeandbrew.com. Andy, you nimble and elegant master of podcastery and other things. How are you, my friend? That's one of your best introductions. That was fantastic. That one, that one cut me a little bit. So uh, <laughs> still reeling, but I'm doing great, man. Um, football's itching closer and closer. The takes are flying left and right. And of course, you and I are here to sift through the nonsense. So I'm excited to do this. A lot of nonsense out there. We're not going to mention any names here, but at this point in the season, it's best to not amplify trolls. I think a lot of you probably know who we're talking about. Michigan has I think we're second biggest online follower. We're top three as far as online engagement. People know that if you dump on us and just talk trash, we're going to engage. So we need to rise above. Let's not engage with the trolls at this point in the season, folks. We know how good this team's going to be. Exactly. We're here just to put out the truth, you know, do our best. Call ourselves purveyors of it as one might. So no, just like if you're going to have like a bold take, at least be able to back it up. Don't back it up with more nonsense and then just say people are upset. So and please stop saying rent free for the love of God. I hate rent free. There's like a lot of yeah, there's a lot of things that we need to we really need to get rid of. Come. uh, Thank you for coming to my TED talk. I don't ever want to hear it again. God, that was that's another dude. Rent free is the one that drives me up a wall. It's like, yeah, I, I think about things I hate all the time. Like, sorry, it's just who I am as a person. It propels me in life. I am a spiteful and hateful man. <laughs> How do you think I got to where I'm at here? Yelling on a podcast with you, shaking my fist at the air. So, no, it's been a yeah, man, a lot of nonsense. It is a lot of nonsense. Uh, let's hit on some quick hits. Uh, first one that I wanted to touch on here is Hard Knocks. A uh, lot of Aiden Hutchinson on that. If you're not watching that, the new one drops. We're recording this on a Tuesday, so it drops tonight. But by the time you hear this, it will already be out. Uh, if you're a Michigan fan, you don't even have to be a Lions fan. Definitely worth checking in. A lot of Aiden Hutchinson in the first one. A lot of Michigan talk. Just genuinely likable. Highly recommend that. Yeah, you made a great point off air how the Lions have become like uh, what the Browns used to be, where everyone's just kind of rooting for them, where they've been so bad for so long, and now they have a lot of likable characters, a lot of intelligent people in the right places. So this is a fun team to be in on on the ground floor and watch them rise up from this. And like you said, man, you get a lot of hutch. What's better than that? You get the first family of Michigan, the Hutchinsons. They are the first family. Yeah, you get the whole family, too. Like, they've kind of all become stars. It doesn't hurt that, you know, they're just beautiful human beings as well. Like Beautiful family I, through and through. Beautiful family. Like, all extremely successful. They are the first family of Michigan. So I definitely recommend tuning in on that. Uh, we've gotten a few more snippets out of camp. Uh, nothing that's really too telling as far as, hey, here's who's maybe uh, challenging for a starting role. Kind of seems like for a minute there, JJ was maybe. Did you get that vibe, JJ? JJ was taking the lead, and then I'm kind of getting the vibe that it's Cade now, but that kind of uh, resonates with what Harbaugh said, that this thing is back and forth, and there's just like little, little things here and there that kind of will give you a hint on which way they're leaning, but as of right now, it seems like one of the more intense competitions still. It's like that meme where the woman's laying in bed and it's like, I bet he's thinking of other girls and the guys are there thinking, it's like, which quarterback is going to start? Is it Cade now? I I, know JJ had that throw I saw online. I I saw the throw. That's exactly how I feel. It continues to go back and forth for me. I thought JJ's inching ahead. I don't know how the scrimmage went. Heard um, do on Twitter gave us a little preview about receivers are as advertised. George Hilo eats electricity, um, but would not reveal the starting quarterback, obviously. But man, it's... um. I love the submarine. I love the speculation. This is such a fun time. 
It really is. Yeah. Yeah. Not as much of a submarine as it was in the past. Like the last two years, Harbaugh has really been pretty forthcoming with what he's talking about compared to remember in 15 and 16, where we were just like anything we would anything. We would just completely go crazy over it. It's not quite the case now. He's given us quite a bit. Coaches are pretty forthcoming. So, I mean, this is a team that feels just more comfortable with themselves where they're at in the process. Yeah, Harbaugh's relationship with the media is really transformed in several different ways. So at least from 15 to now with local media, it's much more friendly, much more giving. Both national media, it's more shut out than ever, like uh, as evident by the postgame interviews last year. It's like, I don't know. We did it, though. Runs away. (laughs) (laughs) That was so great. He wasn't listening to what she said. I don't know what you just said, but we did it. (laughs) (laughs) It was the best, man. And this is my favorite version of him and his interactions and on the Jansen podcast a week or so ago, just giving us so much. I think he name dropped like 60 people and it was just fantastic, man. He seems to be in peak condition. Uh, the culture there, like if there are any concerns about that with, uh, with him flirting with the Vikings or whatnot in the off season, those have completely just dissipated now. I am not buying that as a reason why Michigan would take a step back. Not no. buying that at all. Like these kids realize like it is a lot different than it was in 1956 where everybody's staying four years. Coaches are staying until you force them out. This is a business. This is the modern college football product. Coaches that have success are going to get offers. I don't think that the team even cares right now. They seem locked in, ready to play. I haven't heard one player even mention anything about that unless they're prompted. No, and the whole thing was like during that time uh, that he was very transparent, like told Darius Clemens that, told his family that, that he was thinking about it, going to do an interview, and kept it real with the team. And he has all the way throughout with anything that he does. And the thing he did last year, which makes his team so bulletproof, is he empowered the culture throughout the players' leadership, not just his. So it was more predicated on them stepping up, the upperclassmen. So I think that's the most important thing. Yeah, he definitely has shifted to this is a, this is a player-run team, whereas, I mean, and I'm not even saying that it was a bad thing in those early years where he was a little bit more the uh, the spokesperson for the program and he was doing the climb in the trees and stay in the night and stuff. And I don't hate that like some people do. We ended up getting a great recruiting class the year that he did all the, that shenanigans. But I do prefer like let the team kind of be the focal point. Yeah, it feels more NFL. Like you let the vets lead the locker room. You let the seniors, the juniors, the upperclassmen set the tone. And that starts to trickle down throughout generations. And you can see that with his recruiting as well. And he's going after more of the right guys. Still like high caliber players, but it's like he's not just star chasing anymore. Absolutely, man. All right. uh, Last thing before we get into defensive superlatives, Michigan comes in in the preseason rankings, which mean nothing at number eight. So just, you know, a a starting point that is uh, completely useless and irrelevant. That's why we shouldn't get too worked up on preseason rankings. But that's the starting point. Does that feel about right to you? Yeah, feels good. I think the coaches poll had a six, but we don't we haven't acknowledged the coaches poll since 97. But uh, with either of them, yeah, it's fine. It's whatever. Good to see. Cool. I couldn't care less. Could not no. care less. Unless you had us unranked, which I don't even want to get into it. Not not yeah. even, not not going to amplify such a ridiculous opinion. But uh, uh, any other quick hits from you, sir, before we get into the meat of this thing? No, man, let's do it. Oh, uh, one more quick hit um, to hell with Notre Dame. Oh, great. I'm so glad you brought that up. Um, so, yeah, this this came out recently that Notre Dame probably due to I think it has to do with their television contract that this is going to happen is likely to get Michigan back as like an every year opponent, despite the fact that they're not joining conference. Uh, I think you kind of already 
Uh, you you pretty much uh, forecasted your opinion there that uh, you're not a fan of this. I'm going to go ahead and double down. Also not a fan of it. As much as it's cool to play Notre Dame, you can't reward them for being the last holdout that's not going to do this conference because it's all based on their their deal with, what is it, NBC? I think it's NBC. Yeah, it's NBC. Yeah, <laughs> so like the, the way that college football is catering to them I'm not a fan of, and it only makes our schedule harder and rewards Notre Dame. Like we're not going to beat them every year. They're too quality of a program. We might, it's probably going to be like an every other year thing with them. That's kind of historically how it's gone with them. They get one, we get one. So I don't see how that helps you because that's going to keep you out of a playoff one year. It just is. Absolutely, man. I'm a hundred percent with you. I mean, I kind of tip my hand there, but it's saying like, why are we helping them out? Michigan gets nothing from this. Just makes the schedule harder, gives them a lifeboat so they can just keep floating along the high seas of being independent and being Notre Dame and being so special. No, tired of it. Like, get them off the schedule until they join the conference. You think Alabama's going to be like, you know what would be really cool if we played Oklahoma or USC every year? You know, like, let's just do that. Let's be the bigger the bigger people and, and, and put a really good game and early. No. They're going to play Chattanooga School for the Blind. Like, that's yeah. just what they're going to do. No, there's no sense in taking this. Like, occasionally, like, getting a non-conference, like, one-off, like, one-in, one-out, like, Washington sure. or something, Love fine. It. But none of this every-year stuff with a team like Notre Dame, that's just playing with fire for the sake of playing with fire. I think it should be about once every four years, you have a big game, and you can do the neutral site game like they were doing for however you want to do it. I prefer home-and-homes. But, yeah. yeah, I think about every four or five years, you should have a home-and-home home with a quality opponent. Like, all right, four years from now, we got LSU. And then four years after that, we open up with USC. That's cool. But you don't want to handicap yourself for no reason just to help Notre Dame out. What do they do? All you, we recruit against them. They are a direct competitor for recruits. It's such a weird thing, too, to have a year – like a yearly competitor that's non-conference and, you know, not right. one of your two main rivals. It's just so weird. It, it, where else does that happen? Like we're the only one. And like, people are like, Oh, we've got to preserve this rivalry. It's like, they're not in our conference. We already have two huge rivalries against quality programs. Yeah. We're in the big 10 East, which is arguably the hardest or second hardest single division in all of college football. It's like, you just want to add Notre Dame in there. I mean, not arguably if it's not first, it's second. It's probably yeah. second. Yeah. SEC West, big 10 East. Yeah, I mean, that's probably accurate. I, I don't know how you could really even push back upon that. So, yeah, it's unnecessary. I'm glad we're on the same page here. We didn't even really talk about that offline. But, yeah, I, I'm totally with you there, man. All right. Uh, last week we did some offensive superlatives, kind of just a different way to talk about how we see the offense. We are going to do the same thing this week with defense, which is, I think, going to be way more interesting because of all the new faces. So I think we're going to have a lot of different answers here. So I'm pretty excited about this. So are you ready, sir? Oh, yeah. Born ready, baby. Let's go. I know you, uh, you're you a man of integrity, so you haven't even looked at the doc yet, which I like. But uh, I'm handwritten, like Thomas Jefferson intended. <laughs> Let's go, baby. All right. First superlative, make or break year guy. Who you got? All right, I'm going to give you two candidates here. One, it feels like it's it still could be a little early, but it just feels like he's been there for 15 years. Uh, that is Braden McGregor because the, the – Edge group just keeps getting deeper and deeper with Derek Moore on campus now, Tyler McLaurin switching positions, adding more depth to the edge. And the other one I'm going with is Jalen Perry. Jalen <laughs> Perry's been there for a long time, and it's like it feels like if it's not going to happen this year, then Jalen, it's never going to happen. 
Yeah, we might actually be related despite the differences in hair color. I had the exact same two people. Uh, I had Jalen Perry first, I guess, if that makes a difference. I think it's a bigger make or break year for Jalen Perry because yeah. of the, the the people that are coming in. Like if Perry doesn't get it this year, look at what we have waiting in the secondary in the wings. Like whereas with McGregor, he could come back next year and, and still be one of the big featured defensive ends just because of the depth there. Uh, Perry, though, it, he could get passed up pretty quickly. McGregor still couldn't McGregor play two more years. I think so. Yeah. 2020 was his first year, so it doesn't count. So 2021 was his first year. So then this is technically his second year. So yeah, two more. Yeah. Yeah. He can play for two. So yeah, I get what you're saying. It feels like he's been there forever, but McGregor still got time, but I think people just expected more out of him. So we're kind of like, all right, let's, uh, let's see some, let's at least see McGregor get out there and do something. He doesn't yeah. have to be like the leading sack guy, but you know, if he can get out there and be a great rotational piece, that's going to make us feel a lot better about him moving forward. Perry, it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough for Jalen Perry. I'm hearing some like whispers though about yes. him maybe being a guy. Like if nothing else, this is depth. If Green or Turner has to miss a few games, the thing with McGregor is like this season. I think the expectations, uh, a reasonable expectation, would be to have a Jalen Harrell season from last year. Come in there, make some noise, add some depth, show your physicality, your athleticism, just take some strides on the field. And for Perry, yeah, man, he's been actually balling out a little bit. Like he's looked really good in like in clips online. Coaches have been talking about him, his progression. Uh, Clink scale doubled down on that as well. So I think this could be a good year for him to add some depth to the secondary. So I'm I'm, I'm excited for him. He's been here forever. I'm with you, man. And, uh, you know, I'd like to have different answers than you, but this is a young defense. When you look at like, who's going to be out there playing, like who else is like, well, it's gotta be this year, especially with the COVID year. Like everybody could come back. Yeah. It's, it's weird because I don't know exactly how they're going to handle all the eligibility stuff with Jalen Perry. His first year was 2019, which was a red shirt. 2020 doesn't count. So it's like, does he have four years right. starting with 2021? So it's like right. very difficult to say. <laughs> Right. Absolutely. But yeah, like even with all those extra years, like that could be a guy where it's like, all right, now all of a sudden I've got to deal with Keon Sab, Zeke Barry, Will Johnson. Like it could just be a deal where it's just yeah. all of a sudden this talent just pushes him off the board, but he's still got time, but mm -hmm. there's just nobody else to pick for this. So yeah, I think we're on the same page there. We might have the same answer for this next one, but then I think things will start to shift. Who is the PFF darling? There's one every year. I'm going with a guy that last year really took off, although he only started half the season. I'm going with cornerback uh, number one, DJ Turner. He was really highly graded. I believe he was a 78 on PFF last year, uh, the back half when he started. So I expect him to take another step this year and be ranked in the 80s. So PFF love they saw last year, and now you're going to get him in a bigger dose. I like that one. Uh, we do have a different one here. I think it's going to be Mozzie Smith. I nice. think that uh, they're already on high on this guy. Uh, he is uh, the number one freak, according to Bruce Feldman. Put up numbers that I don't think a human should be able to put up. Like, I'm he pretty sure only ripped 550. What? <laughs> like, what are we talking about here? Like, I'm pretty sure the Predator can't even do that. Like, this is unreal. So Mozzie Smith's a guy that uh, is probably going to dominate. Another one that I think is just not being mentioned a lot that's going to play a lot is Cam Good. Oh, that's a really good one because a good one, huh? Oh my uh, God. Leave. Leave. <laughs> what he did at uh, Central Florida, I really think is going to add to what Michigan wants to do this year is having that interior pass rush. And it feels like they're really going to anchor things around like Mike Morris is not really being a guy to get up field, but just to set the edge with his added size. And they're going to they're going to push you from the interior and from the other side. So yeah, good Mozzie Smith in tandem. 
and not to mention a lot of other defensive tackles who we're going to talk about. This is has this been one of the craziest shifts from like a start of an offseason to like just before the start of the new season where a position group goes from being really thin to really deep? It it'd be hard. I'd have to really go back. Um uh, yeah, we don't have the time for me to just sit and think and start looking this up right now. But like just off the top of my head, um maybe like yeah, no, I can't think of where like people are just starting to pop and you're hearing like multiple guys in one position group that are like, yeah, we hit here already with freshmen. They're already yeah. saying, yeah, we hit on Grant. We hit on Mason Graham. Like that's, that's pretty spectacular. And like Cam Good, like nobody's talking about Cam Good, but Cam Good's a starter. Yeah. And it's like, well, he might be if the Chris Jenkins isn't relinquishing anything right. anytime soon. So Chris it's like Jenkins is awesome. Five players right there, like quality starters anywhere, I believe. And it's just like, nuts how much like depth they've added there i think chris hinton could have come back yeah chris hinton could have come back but like now it's probably good that he didn't because maybe we lose a guy or cam good probably just doesn't come we don't in. get cam good yeah that's, that's probably yeah yeah you're probably right but uh all right yeah so that's the pff darling uh by the way pff darling gonna be the highest rated guy by pro football focus meaning you know exactly what it says it is there's one every year there's one every year so uh all right next superlative the biggest upgrade this one is so difficult because the guys that we lost are all elite yeah there's a a lot of ways you can go with this and it can be very it's really tough to like sift through the names that are gone the names that are coming in so i'm going with a player that wasn't even on the defense last year one of my favorite players on the team mikey sainer still Mm. i just think like the the, his natural ball skills the fact that he was like a really good corner in high school and what we've seen in the spring game what we've heard in camp what we've seen in footage he is everywhere and i think that is just a massive upgrade to have your second or third corner have ball skills and that just elite playmaking ability that he has the way he'll be able to recognize like route combinations already from playing wide receiver. No, I think Mikey Sainer still is just a huge upgrade to the overall defense. Man, your Mikey Sainer still love is is starting to bleed over. Like, I wasn't quite buying it, but I'm buying it now. And, like, you've seen just in clips, like, is that guy, like, right there with Ronnie Bell? Like, he's running in stride with Ronnie Bell. So that's got to be a good sign. So I am starting to buy it. I don't think I'm quite as high as you are just because it's his first year in this position, but I think he's going to be a natural for it. Um, If he can come back one more year, I'm not positive that he can. If there's one guy that can't, this might be the guy he's been there for a long time. Uh, But if he can come back for one more year and he stays in this role, I see him hitting. I I really do. I'm with you. I just don't know if this is the year, but I think they found the position for him and just a football player. So I I like that. Um, I have two that are kind of uh, not really a player necessarily. Uh, One of them is, but my biggest upgrade I think is defensive tackle depth, which we just touched on. So I'm not going to go too, too deep into that, but I'll also say just year one to year two progression of the linebackers. We were playing freshmen in huge roles at linebackers next year. Those guys are going to take a leap just by virtue of being in the system for another year. And linebacker was, I won't say a weakness. I mean, this was a great team last year, obviously, but maybe like a weaker link on the team. And it's obviously what we have pinpointed as something to watch. But these guys are now, you know, we have two returning starters Um, on three had us as the 10th best linebacker group. That is incorrect. Um, But those guys coming back, I think just like in-house development might be a big upgrade there because Colson could definitely be better than Ross. And then Hill Green, you know, not not the best year last year, but there was, there was things there. There was stuff you saw with Hill green. I think Hill green has kind of gotten like, not maybe not the CJ rep, but he's getting a, like 
a little too much. Like it's gone too negative at certain times with him. Like he was learning. Like that was like his sure. first year was a completely different defense under Don Brown when he was thrust to play. And then it changed last year. And then Colson's there. So it got a little mixed up. So I expect him to continue to take strides. Like it took Josh Ross forever to be this serv- as serviceable as he was last year. It just yeah. took him a long time. And I think a big thing to your point, year two junior Colson would blow year one junior Colson out of the water. And that probably is the biggest single upgrade on the team. That's kind of what I'm thinking. I think it's an in-house thing because what else are you going to say? Like, yeah, Mike Morris to Aiden Hutchinson, huge upgrade. Jalen Harrell to David, you know, or David Ojabo to Jalen Harrell or RJ Moten to Dax Hill. No, <laughs> let me just stop you right there. No, we're not getting better at any of those positions and that's okay. We can still be a really good defense. Yeah, I think the, you could really pinpoint like also Rod Moore year two to year one Oof. could be an even bigger one. And the more we hear about Rod Moore, man, the more we salivate. Yep, I'm with you. Uh, that's a good transition to the next one. Imminent breakout year. Now we need to we need to clarify this because imminent breakout for this team is tough because we got a lot of guys that did see some type of playing time. And then you've got guys like Rod Moore. Could he have a breakout year when we kind of think he already broke out? So uh, let's hear your answers and then let's kind of we'll, we'll workshop it. We'll litigate what it means to to be eligible for imminent breakout. Yeah, Rod Moore was the co-leading tackler against Ohio State in the biggest game of the last 10 years. So I, I'm eliminating him. For, I Ineligible. Love Rod Moore. Yeah, I love Rod Moore. Um, but he already broke out. So this year, I'm going with a guy we've already touched on a little bit, Chris Jenkins. Like, he was rotational last year, had some starts. He's put on almost 20 pounds. Looks like a mountain of a man, even next to Mozzie Smith. So I think it's going to be a huge breakout year for him. Really step up in the interior and to be one of the best defensive tackle tandems we've had in a while. I mean, it could end up being the best defensive tackle unit we've had in a decade. You know, I mean, I'm really high in the defensive tackle group. That's a tremendous answer. I really like that. Uh, I'm going to do a couple honorable mentions of people that are going to be household names here soon. Mozzie Smith has already become one by becoming number one on Bruce Feldman. So I think his breakout is happening, going from a good player to to great household name. Uh, I think Rod Moore could become a household name. Turner and Green could become household names. So they could take that leap. But breakout as far as uh, nobody's heard of him, and all of a sudden it's like, what are we dealing with here? I got Kenneth Grant. I got Kenneth Grant. As big as I am on Mason Graham, Kenneth Grant is physically more ready. I think Graham will end up being more of a a technician in there. But Kenneth Grant is, you can't coach what that dude has. And I think they're going to play him. I think that they see him and Graham as like a very good defensive tackle tandem of the future. And he's going to get on the field. Uh, Injury would probably be the one thing that prevents it. But I I think Kenneth Grant's going to start becoming a name that at least Michigan fans are talking about. We're calling him Mount Grant, right? Oh, yeah, something until we come up with something better. But yeah, he is just to refresh the listeners, 6'3", 356 pounds and reportedly runs sub five in the 40. So, yeah, what? Yeah, probably going to end up on that Feldman freak list sooner rather than later. Yeah, also, we didn't talk about on the Freaks list, Welshoff was seven, a name we haven't mentioned yet, and DJ Turner was right around 30, and Harbaugh says he thinks Turner runs every bit of 4-2 flat out. 
well shop would have been a good one for make or break year too. That's a good one. Yeah. Yeah. We probably should have mentioned him, but yeah, him being that high on the freak list is interesting too, but they've kind of, he was on it last year and well didn't do anything. That's why we probably haven't mentioned him too much is like they were forecasting him for last year and well I I don't think popped in one rewatch positions though, dropped 20 pounds back to defensive end. So it could be something to keep an eye on. The kid is 25. So literally now we're never son, a 25 year old (laughs) German. All right. Well, if I'm fast artists can take a leap, Julius Welshoff can take a leap. Oh, 100%. Yeah, he can take a leap. Physical tools are clearly there based on what Feldman. And I don't know, like, the numbers that Feldman are getting are coming out of that team's camp. So take them with a bit of a grain of salt because yeah. they're always going to be boosted a little bit. But nonetheless, like, obviously, Welshoff is a specimen. He's just got to put it together for one whole year. But a name that we haven't mentioned much that I think is worth mentioning. So that's a good one there. Um, all right. Uh, next category. Wait your turn, youngster. The guy who uh, probably is going to get there, but not this year. Oh, this player is going to get there. This could be a little controversial because there's a few names you could go with here. Uh, I'm going to one of the deeper positions, maybe perhaps the deepest position on the team, and that is safety. Uh, and I think uh, wait your turn here, Zeke Barry. I think yeah, same guy. No, oh, like because like it just adds up. Like it's just a, ga- a numbers game. You have Rod Moore, R.J. Moat, and Makari Page. All three of them mentioned ad nauseum about where they're at. Keon Sav's been on campus longer. Will Johnson could move inside and also play there. And then Zeke Barry just gets on campus in August. He's catching up, but it's like get a long way to go. Then you have people like German Green who've been there for five years who know the system, the ins and outs of college ball. So Zeke Barry, I do think is going to be a player, was one of my favorite recruits, yep. but just not this season. Uh, perfectly articulated. I have no notes for the exact same reasons that you said I had Zeke Barry. Like we are, I think the next coming of Kalik Hudson, but just not quite this year because of the depth. Uh, just to, to add some parody, I'll say Mason Graham is a guy that I think is going to get there. But as we mentioned above, like the defensive tackle depth is strong. So like, I don't know how much we're going to need him. I think he'll play a little bit, but could probably try to preserve his red shirt. So uh, Barry and Graham, I, I like Barry a lot, though. I think that's the answer here. Yeah, you could have thrown out Micah Pollard, Cody Jones, athlete sure. recruiters, but uh, converted to secondary. There's a lot of names, man. Just a lot of young talent on this defense, which makes it really fascinating to talk about. Yep. All right. Uh, ooh, you know what? This one is not in there, but I want to add it. So we have imminent breakout, but let's say freshman that gets on the field, unexpected freshman on the field. Oh, I love this. Unexpected freshman on the field. I just wrote about him last week. I'm going with Deuce Spurlock at linebacker. Only played linebacker as a senior after a growth spurt out of Alabama. Uh, can fly. Used to, I mean, was a safety leading up his whole life leading up to his senior year. And now he's up to 230 pounds. Like, I mean, he has the body already. Uh, everyone's, uh, from all indications, he's getting up to speed really quickly. He has no problem with the athleticism. It's all just the mental aspect. And the linebacking position's a little thin. So I think, especially with Tyler McLaurin being switched over to edge. So I think this is a guy that could sneak onto the field when you don't expect it. Love it. Uh, I'll add Jimmy Rolder on there, who's maybe not super unexpected when you look at the depth. Uh, and TJ Guy, not a true freshman. I think a redshirt freshman, correct? For uh, TJ yeah, Guy. yeah, redshirt freshman. Redshirt freshman. So yeah, yeah. So I'll add TJ Guy in there. We're uh, we're both on Guy Island. So uh, <laughs> yeah. 
God, I love TJ Guy. Like when he when he breaks out, and I say when he breaks out, I'm getting a jersey. Like that okay. probably should have been mentioned in our imminent breakout guy, but it might not be this year because, like we mentioned a million times, um, he probably is a little bit better in that uh, defensive end. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. hand in the dirt, sometimes you know, uh, rushing as a linebacker type of guy. So I don't really know where they see him on the line. That's part of the reason why I was like, I don't quite know yet. I don't quite know yet if this is the year, but it's coming for TJ Guy. There's just so many names at the end and in the outside edge rushing linebacker position that you could put in there. It's almost like you got to pull them out of a hat. So it's going to be interesting to see how they deploy them all. 100%. Next category, the John Runyon Jr. Award for Quiet Excellence. Now we can get to our boy, Rod Moore. Just in and out, like Harbaugh said on the podcast a few weeks ago, uh, John uh, John Runyon, Rod Moore watched twice as much film as the second player on the defense. Like just grinded tape to get out there, understood that he needed to do it from a cerebral aspect. He's not massively undersized. He's six feet. He's thick, but it's like a l- still a little smaller for a safety at this level. But he understands everything on the defense so much so as last year as an 18-year-old was calling out switches and adjustments, which you do not see at this level of football. So I think he's there, and I think he's just going to continue to do this. He's going to quarterback the defense from the back end, always guarantee you're in the right position. And when Rod Moore's on the field, you always feel good about the rest of the defense. I mean, he's bigger than Kovacs, who was the last time I can remember, like just a captain back there, a guy that was, you know, the guy calling things out. And he's about the same size as Hawkins, who was also like just a leader out there. So I don't I'm not worried about Rod Moore's size. He was a freshman last year. Uh, We thought Derek Moore was him when we were at the spring game. And we were like, (laughs) we were ready to be like, well, Rod Moore's going to the Hall of Fame. (laughs) He, he grew four inches and put on 90 pounds. <laughs> Did Rod Moore eat Kenneth Grant? And then we're like, oh, yeah, that's uh, that's Derek Moore, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so that's a really good one. Uh, I've got two, though. Two guys that just like seem like depth guys, didn't do anything flashy last year. Going to be great rotation guys that are just giant bodies. Like we have a couple of the same style of players, and that's Chris Jenkins and Taylor Upshaw. Neither one is going to come out and be like, oh, my God, it's the second coming of Aiden Hutchinson. But they're going to be good. They're going to be really good. They're not going to flash at all. Like, take your pick. Upshaw maybe is my – I'll go Upshaw, then Jenkins. But you can flip-flop those. I think they're going to come in day in, day out, do their job. I think they're both going to have over four sacks. Like, well, I mean, it it might be a little bit harder for Jenkins on the inside. But I I, I really like these guys. And I think that they're just not going to be household names that come in and do their job. Oh yeah, and I I like that you added the little addendum there that Upshaw could be that because of like you we've seen the effort we know how massive he is as a human being but no that's a that's a great pick especially with how like convoluted like log jam that position is man no those are good all right Steve McQueen award for screen stealer the guy you can't take your eyes off of. Oh, man, this this one was tough. There's a few names here. I want to keep it a little different, though, and I'm going with Jalen Harrell. This is my lead uh, pick to lead the team in sacks. I think he's just going to explode this season. Really came on at the end of last year, played a ton of snaps against Ohio State, Iowa, and Georgia, and played well. So I think he takes the next step this year. He is the guy off the edge, and I just love, love a good edge rusher. Uh, that is a great choice. I had DJ Turner as number one because I'm a huge cornerback guy. And when we have elite cornerback play, like, I mean, 
it's it's borderline erotic for me. So, I mean, if DJ Turner is as expected, yeah, that's a good one. But also, Junior Colson's been my boy since he was recruited. Sure. And he's playing like he's one of the more important pieces to this defense. Like, if he takes a step back, we're in trouble. If he takes a step forward, we're going to be really, really good. Super important. So, I'm going to be watching Junior Colson every single play. So, I'll go Colson here, one of the bigger names. But uh, I like your answer as well. No, it's Junior Colson, I feel like, is getting kind of like – I'm getting under-recognized in the offseason. I kind of like that. Like, people, like, in the know understand what Junior Colson could be, but I feel like he's not a, like he's not the first name you hear. He's not the second, and a lot of times he's not the third name you hear on this defense. So it's going to be really fascinating to watch because I, I anticipate him to take a big step this year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, I was kind of a little worried because of the Cam McGrone, Jake Ryan drop off from elite, you know, looking like a great freshman to that second year slump where people like they they know how to scheme against him a little bit. Offensive lines are going to know like you got to get a chip on this guy at the very least. Um, But at the same time, Colson is like. God, he's a physical specimen, and I like what I saw last year. It wasn't like, holy crap, this dude is, you know, Jake Ryan's freshman year was something different. I don't yeah. know that that's going to happen a lot, um, but I-, I liked what I saw from Colson upon rewatch. It looks good, and j- like I said before, super important that he has a good season. So one of the more important players on the defense. Uh, here's an interesting one. I think we both agree Josh Ross was hardest hitter on the team last year. Yes. Who's going to be the hardest hitter on the team this year? This is tough. Last year was definitely Josh Ross, 1A, uh, Dax Hill, 1B. Uh, you can ask Graham Mertz how hard Dax Hill hits. Um, yeah. This one was very tough for me. Like I had to really think about it and dig deep and just think about what I've seen with like who has really laid the wood on this defense. Um, RJ Moten was a name I thought about for a little mm-hmm. bit, ended up not going with him. I went with two names that two guys may not even start, but I think they just hit incredibly hard. Uh, one, we just talked about Taylor Upshaw. I think he hits really hard in the way effort and motor he plays with like leads into that. And also I'm going with the guy that's had the hardest hit in the last two years. That's Michael Barrett. Uh, that Ooh. sack against Minnesota Ooh. where he just levitated, like lifted Tanner Morgan off his feet for the forced fumble that went right to Donovan Jeter. Yeah, that's the hardest hit we've seen in the last two years. And I think when Michael Barrett hits you with that added size this year and his speed, you're going to feel it. Oh, that is tremendous. Mike Barrett, the forgotten man on this defense. But like, we are big Mike Barrett guys. Like, we, have, I mean, we were so high on him in 2020. And then last year, just the change in the defense and then some guys that were a little bit better suited for the role came in. But they like him. I like him. I think he's smart. I think he will play. He has to play. I yes. mean, if we think Jimmy Rolder is going to play, Michael Barrett's definitely going to play. So I had Rod Moore. I'm changing my answer. It's Michael Barrett. I love that. And, and don't forget, Michael Barrett was one of the most important players on the team last season because after the Michigan State disaster with defensive substitutions, Michael Barrett allowed you to stay in a pass set defense, but also yep. like be still out against the run. He gives you that versatility against different looks and coverages and stopping the run. So I think he's going to be integral to the success of this team this year especially against teams like Maryland and Ohio State. I'm totally with you. I'm totally with you. Uh, All right. uh, Before we get into the next one, let's take a minute to talk about home field apparel. We've been with them now since the start. These are my people, and they keep me well-clothed in every season. It is becoming the dog days of summer. That means what's right around the corner, hoodie weather people. They've got you taken care of old school, new school designs, anything that you could want, all of the colleges. I recommend you buy Michigan. Anything else doesn't make sense. But you can find what you need over at homefieldapparel.com, and you can get 20% off your first purchase with MNB when you go to checkout. Check them out. All right, next superlative. Sack leader. I think you already forecasted yours. You've, uh, but please go into detail about your your thought process. 
Yeah, Jalen Harrell last year played a ton of snaps, flashed what he can do, um, is entering the season with no career sacks, which doesn't worry me at all, as last year um, Ojabo and Hutch came in with combined three and a half together throughout their career. So don't worry about pass production when it comes to this category. Uh, look at the skill set, years in the system. I think he fits perfectly in what Jesse Mentor is trying to do and the way it seems that Mike Morris is going to be setting the edge and holding it down. I think Jalen Harrell could eat this season. I just don't know how it could be anybody else. I really wanted to go off and, and do something weird here. Um, but it's really, it's got to be Mike Morris or Harrell, right? Like it's got to be one of the guys that's starting at one of the ends. Um, I'll say Taylor Upshaw just for for sake Love of variety that. here, um, just to, to mix it up a little bit. But yeah, statistically, it is more likely to be one of the starters in Harrell or Morris. Um, but this is a weird one, man. Like I think it's, you know, a, a starless defense like Harbaugh has mentioned. I think they're going to be more spread out this year. I could see like four and a half from Mozzie. I could see three and a half, you know, coming from Chris Jenkins. I could see something like seven and a half from Harrell and eight and a half from from Morris and something like that. I think it's going to be more spread out. So this is a really hard one to pick. But Harrell, I think you probably I think if Vegas were putting odds on it, that's probably the odds on favorite. I think he has to be the front runner and having like the no name, no star defense is better because you can't slide one way or game plan around one player. If you have four guys that are all right around the same number. So it could be a great thing. And that's what Harbaugh said. He said, my no name defenses have been more successful. And it's like, I understand why. Yeah, I love it. I mean, depth wise, we're, you could argue depth wise, are we better than last year? Depth wise. I think, yeah, I think we, I don't know if you can make that yet, but I think we are. Along the defensive line, you could maybe make that argument. You, it's it's worthy of discussion just because of what the defensive tackle position has become over the last two years. So it's an argument, at least. I don't know if I'm there yet either. Uh, all right, interception leader. This one's become a little more interesting with uh, some murmurs out of camp that Jamon Green might be the guy. And we mentioned off air, the last three seasons, the projected number one shutdown corner has actually uh, changed in the spring or excuse me, in the fall. Yeah, it's been very up and down. Like it's hard. It's it's kind of fun to look back and think of it that way too. Uh, with Green, with um, DJ, gray. yeah, Gray and Turner taking over last year, and um, I'm riding my boy. I'm gonna keep. I've been pounding this drum. I put it in print. Comes out tomorrow, I think. Some yeah, what I wrote comes out tomorrow, or whenever you read this, it'll probably be already out. So, <laughs> so uh, but yeah, no, I'm I'm riding with Mikey. I'm riding with Mikey because of his ball skills. I the way he's gonna work in the slot. The way they're gonna use that position really interesting in zone coverages as well i think they're going to avoid dj turner this year so i think uh green's going to get a lot of run i think mikey sanders still will will johnson the freshman obviously and what offensive coordinator is not going to want to scheme after the five-star true freshman mm -hmm. or the converted wide receiver that's the person they're going to target so i think he's going to have a lot of opportunities to make plays I like that a lot. Um, I mean, it, that is planting your flag, sir. I, I don't agree, yeah. but I love, I mean, your love for Sane Ristil. You might have to get a jersey. I know you just got the Eric All jersey, but you might need a Sane Ristil jersey. Oh, yeah. here. Number zero, sub-zero? Oh, yeah. Oh, sub-zero. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. There's a nickname for you. Uh, I'm going to go Jamon Green. I'm taking the Jordan Lewis approach here. Uh, when you're across from a shutdown corner, you're going to get more throws your way. Um, even if Green is the best right now and ends up being the best coming into the season, they're going to look at last year's tape and be like, don't throw at Turner. Yeah. And then that's going to get Green a lot of balls thrown his way. But uh, what what do you think for interception? To who, what is the number that leads this team this year? Five. The record for Harbaugh era is getting broken. Right now, it's held by Channing Shrivelling, only player to ever have four in a season, which is just absurd. Like, let's come yeah. on. 
it's a rookie. Those are rookie numbers. Going to pump those things up. So <laughs> it's going to be five this year. Five is going to lead the clubhouse, especially with the weaker opponents to start the year. I like that a lot. That yeah, I'm with you. I mean, I hope so, man. That is one number that we really need to pump up. You're you're not just uh, quoting Wolf of Wall Street there. It, it really does. Like last year, we had a pretty good turnover ratio because of Ojabo's. What was it? Five forced five. fumbles. Yeah, like Nuts. so we. It was pretty good last year, but uh, we need to mix it up. It has to be interceptions and forced fumbles. And me as just uh, an absolute proponent of the secondary, I want to see it broken this year. I don't care who does it. I don't care if it's Sainer still. I don't care if Michael Barrett or Jimmy Rolder. I don't, I don't care if it's Peyton O'Leary. I've heard uh, I've heard some good things about Peyton O'Leary this year. Oh, Peyton O'Leary. Yeah, I, like, I'm all there. He's, he's on the other side of the ball, but nonetheless. Yeah, he got mentioned by somebody shouted him out. I think it was like Ronnie Bell said, Peyton yeah. O'Leary is like a guy. It's like, dude, if Peyton O'Leary hits, I will be the happiest person. Like yeah. the merch, the content, the nicknames. Oh my God. I mean, can you imagine the amount of beer we're going to drink in his honor? Like an Irishman? This is going to be like when Kennedy was elected president for the Irish. <laughs> I mean, yeah, this one, obviously, Kennedy, too. <laughs> yeah, that, that's the order. <laughs> What's well, like it's the happiest I've been since I found out Carter Selzer's nickname is The Sheriff. This is great. That's good. That's good. We've uh, we've got to get some nicknames going here soon. The season is upon us, and uh, Sub-Zero is a pretty good uh, addition, but it, it's about time we put some work in. Um, all right, next superlative. The Rod Moore player you only saw coming if you were just guessing. All right, I'm giving you two. I'm going to give you a I'm give you Tyler McLaurin on the edge. I've been on him for a little bit now, true sophomore. And I'm going George Rooks, the defensive tackle we've not mentioned yet, but it looks like on tape he's getting second team, sometimes first team reps, a name that's really under the radar. It's kind of a dart against the wall, but there's some George Rooks buzz out there. That is such a good answer. I was going to go with TJ Guy, but I mean, we've talked about TJ Guy a lot. I don't think national media or even other <laughs> Michigan podcasts have been high on TJ Guy, but George Rooks is an even better answer. He was running with the ones, yeah. like you mentioned. And like we've mentioned Grant, Graham, Good, Jenkins, and Smith, and we haven't mentioned George Rooks. But or Rayshon yeah. Benny. <laughs> right? Right? God, the defensive tackle group. Good Lord. Yeah, just name after name, man. So Rooks is just like sandwiched in there. It's like, oh, this guy is super violent and aggressive and fast. Oh, he might play. It's like, we have like eight names at defensive tackle. That's insane. That yeah. is crazy depth. Crazy depth. All right, next one. This is a fun one. Trade idea. What do you got? Staying in the Big Ten again. Like to keep it in-house. I mean, like unlike some people in the media, I like to stay within my depth about things. You know, I, I don't know as much about national because I don't pay attention to that. I know as much about Michigan as anybody, and I know a lot about the Big Ten. So we're staying in conference. We're going back to a foe we faced last year and this year, but they're in the West. It's Iowa. We need to add some depth in the middle of this defense, and I want to go after Jack Campbell. I want the best linebacker in the Big Ten, and I want him to anchor this defense and just provide that one missing piece they have. And it's gonna take it's gonna take a cost. So I'm gonna give them Chris Jenkins, Oof. and I want to give them they lose three in the secondary well, outside of Riley Moss and Gamon Green. But you wow. lose you lose those two. You put Jack Campbell in the middle of this defense, and I think it's just it's for the better. That is a that would be a blockbuster trade. I like that you swung for the fences on that. I went for something where we don't have to sacrifice as much depth. That is that, that would be sacrificing depth, but it's in places we have depth. We can do it. Um, 
Yeah, we could do it. I don't want to get rid of Jamon Green, though. That's a little rich for my blood. So I had Avery Roberts, inside linebacker, Oregon State. He listed as the uh, fourth uh, best linebacker in the NFL draft coming into the year. Uh, He had 123 tackles, two and a half sacks, a forced fumble, an interception, two passes broken up um, after playing a a short 2020 season. So to get him, uh, Oregon State doesn't have a lot of talent. So I think that we could get away with it, giving him Christian Dixon, Giovanni El Hadi and George Rooks. Giving them some young bucks. Giving them young bucks that are highly rated that are going to help them just improve along both lines um, and give them a, a guy that could be a game breaker for them. Um, I don't know if they'd go for this, giving away their best player for three young, highly rated guys, <laughs> but I, th- I think we're in we're in the ballpark. They might need a little more. We'll throw them Alex Orgy. <laughs> give more. I think you had to give him at least one veteran in that, but I like where your head's at. Uh, Oregon State's a, a middling team. I believe they were at seven and six last year. So kind of floating right there. And this could really help him like have some seed pieces for the future. Yeah, I like it. That was a really good one, though. I like that you're big game hunting out there. All I'm, right. I want to win now. I want to win now. Like, what, what, is, what are we doing here? Like, yeah, if, if this is a pretty big win now year. If there ever was Jack a win. Campbell in the middle of this defense. Are you kidding me? <laughs> Let's go. I agree, though. We need like a leader out there. Like both of our starters are sophomores. Eh. Yeah, you put Jack Campbell and Junior Colson back there, and like now we just got we got to replace the one corner. So it's like okay, we have some options here. Jalen Perry's already flashed. Mikey Sanders still. Will Johnson. It's like we got those guys. You lose Jenkins, but it's like oh man, Kenneth Grant. Oh damn, that sucks. Rayshon Benny, George Rooks. Like let's go. I like it. I like it, sir. All right, last one. Pick your defensive captains. Okay, so last week, offensively, I picked Ryan Hayes and Ronnie Bell. I'm No need to get cute here. I'm going Mozzie Smith, and I'm going Mikey Sainer still. The exact same. I don't think that there's really any other answers. I think that's going to be the answer. I think it'll be Sainer still and Smith. Uh, any wild cards there? Uh, wild cards on both sides. Eric All on offense and on because of the Big Ten Media Day representation. And on defense, I'm going to go with Mike Morris. I think I believe he was a captain at the spring game, and he commands a lot of respect in the locker room as well. How can you not when you're 6'6", 292? So, <laughs> I think he's another name to watch out there. Yeah, that's a good one. Uh, if you really want to go wild, Rod Moore, captain of the back end. Like, that <laughs> would be... Oh, man. If Rod Moore is a three-time starter, I might get his face tattooed on my arm. <laughs> might get his face tattooed on my face. <laughs> I would look a hell of a lot better then. <laughs> yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, one point before we go to break, barely mentioned Mike Morris. I think you and I collectively just through looking at this roster, are we a little too down on Mike Morris now? I think so. On I do. The weight scared both of us because – 290 that's 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 a that's a big boy nobody moves well at that size and speed nobody like I looked at like NFL defensive ends you can't find NFL defensive ends that move and put up huge numbers like Wormley's the best comparison and Wormley wasn't like an elite pass rusher he was just a really stout edge defender at that size you're looking at people like Leonard Williams with the Giants who's a more traditional defensive tackle that can flex out so I don't know what the game plan is with Morris yet maybe they're gonna have more hand in the dirt like I'm hoping they're going to have him be the anchor on one side, but that's going to affect his speed. Like it just has to. 
Yeah, you're not going to be moving at Hutchins. You're definitely not moving at Ojabo speed, like or Uche speed or anything no. like that. Like I think part of the reason we've had this this great pass rush is we've had a big guy that can win with power, and then on the other side we've got a guy that can win with speed, which we both think Harrell can do. So if Morris is just the guy that's maybe commanding some double teams because he is able to penetrate, I just don't know that he's quick enough to get the big sack numbers. Now I could see a lot of passes defended at that height. Yeah, like getting in, beating his man, getting hands up like I could see him being disruptive at the line I just don't know if it's going to be like double digit sacks I, I don't either and the one thing I will say about like um, Aiden Hutchinson last year he spoke on the Chris Long podcast about when he was there under Don Brown they had him getting up to like the 280 and he said he felt sluggish and slow and he played last year around 265 and you saw the speed and burst so that's where that came from so I really am concerned about it but I mean if he can at least be you know Still decently quick off the edge, but like play a different type of role to support the interior rush we didn't have last year of Mozzie Smith and Cam Good and the other rush of the Harrells and the McLaurins and Taylor Upshaws like that. Then it could work out well. So I think it really just plays like to how the scheme is going to involve him. Yeah, and we keep mentioning Chris Wormley as a comp. Like, if he's an upgraded Chris Wormley, like that's an awesome player. Like, the, let, let's not let's not be too down on him. Like, that could be a really awesome, useful player. It's just when you're comparing him to the sack totals and the impact statistically from guys like Hutch and Ojabo, I, I just don't think you and I see it quite as statistically impactful. But on the field, impact could be you know, equal or, or just below. I don't know if he could be upgraded warmly. I'll take Diet Coke Chris Wormley from him. Diet Coke Wormley. Okay. Yeah. Diet Coke Wormley. You're probably more right. But the, the way Harbaugh talks about him, like that's what has me thinking like, all right, like Harbaugh's super in Although that's cooled off a little bit. We haven't heard Mike Morris as much as we did in the spring where they're like, yeah, we've got our replacement. It's, it's right here. And then I haven't heard really a peep about him. Our edge rushers, 292 pounds. <laughs> I mean, good luck when you go up against Rutgers, who's going to be starting a 220-pound left tackle. Like. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, this defensive line is going to be massive. Like, Harrell's going to be the small guy on the front, and he's like 247 or something. Insane, insane. Speaking of insane, we just did an hour in the first half of this pod. So let's take a break. When we come back, we're going to break down the last stretch of the season. That includes a pretty familiar opponent. Uh, I've got about 42 to 27 things to say about that one. We'll be back right after this. All right. Welcome back to Out of the Blue. We are continuing and finishing our season preview breakdown with the final three games of the year. Up to this point, you and I have seen it with one loss. Both of us see it the same way. That loss coming to Iowa in week, what is that, week four or week five? I think it's week four is Iowa, right? Uh, no, I think it's week, I think it's week five, uh, I think Maryland yeah. week four. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So we have to see it the same way. One loss coming into this, this stretch is pretty much defined by the end of it, but we will nonetheless discuss the other challengers. The first one being November 12th versus Nebraska in the big house. An interesting matchup in the sense that Nebraska could have got us last year if it weren't for the uh, slippery hands of Taylor Martinez and the elite 
ball punching ability of Brad Hawkins. This was closer than it should have been. I mean, Nebraska was close in all of their games. They were three and nine, the worst winning percentage since 1957, but eight of their losses were by a single score. And the ninth loss uh, was 26-17 to Ohio State, and it was really close. So this was a team that was close with everybody they played, but just just marred by mistakes. And their fan base thinks that they're close, closer than any three and nine team should be. Uh, but they've they've made a lot of changes. They've made a lot of changes. It's not even really the same team as last year. There's changes to the coaching staff uh, that were kind of mandatory, even though you could argue that they were close. You can't have a three and nine year. You can't have the futility that Scott Frost has had not made some changes. So Nebraska is a bit of an unknown next year. Yes, statistically, they were the best three and nine team in the history of football. So very odd. And (laughs) you got your Nebraska Martinez's mixed up. This was not magic. This was Adrian. Whatever. (laughs) Who cares? Yeah, I know. The yeah. So Nebraska was a really interesting team last year because they had some they had some solid pieces, some good players. A Torrey receiver comes to mind. And Scott Frost is a good offensive mind, but they would always just find a way to blow a game, like the slow start against Michigan, then coming back, and then the fumbles, and then or just like Ohio State going into Columbus and playing stout for a while and giving up a big play. So it's like, you know, you were close in a lot of games. You may feel like you're better than you are, but at the end of the day, you are what your record says you are. Yeah, I I totally agree with you. Frost, uh, you said like his best trait is his ability as an offensive coordinator. He's no longer the offensive coordinator. Uh, Gave away that right to Mark Whipple, who was the quarterback coach uh, coming from Pittsburgh. So they're they're switching it up there. Um, New quarterback, uh, Adrian Martinez transfers out. Texas transfer Casey Thompson comes in. He is the presumed starter. They need to replace their center and both tackles, which is a big yikes. Their leading receiver coming back has 380 yards and their star recruit, Nicoldis Crawford, uh, star of a pretty, pretty all right HVAC commercial is out for the season. So I don't know that this offense is going to be better. It's it's such an uphill battle for this team again. I do think they'll win more games, but I think the team will be worse, which is such a funny way to think about this. Like their schedule's more difficult. They don't they have to come to the big house later in the year. So Michigan's really gonna understand who they are. And Nebraska's gonna know who they are. It's probably not the best thing. And you and I were there the last time Nebraska came to the big house and it didn't turn out so well. Sure didn't. Probably I'm going to try to go to this one, too, because why not? I'm going to be in town. May as well cruise up there and and watch a beat down. Nebraska's hard. It, it's really hard to get a feel on what this team's going to be. It's going to be really hard to come up with a spread on this one because we're not going to know until we see them play a few games. I think they'll play teams tough again, but I agree with you. I don't see them getting better. Like you watch what happened last year and you're like, oh, maybe they're going to take turn the corner despite being three and nine. Because, I mean, they played everybody really hard, like a couple things bounced their way this year. Pretty easy to be a seven win team or an eight win team, but they get worse just like with the people coming in. Frost hasn't exactly recruited like juggernaut players either. So it's not like, oh, Frost guys are finally in there now. There's nobody of Frost guys other than Dakotas Crawford that people even really talk about. And Dakotas Crawford's just mentioned because he has the most obscene name I've ever heard. Great name. Great name. Obscene, but great. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's very strange, man. Like Scott Frost is, you feel like he's on a shorter leash now, but I feel like Nebraska has just been like paying for the sins of getting rid of Bo Pelini when he never won fewer than nine games during his whole tenure. And now since then, they've gone there on their second coach since, and Mike Riley came in, had a little success, and I say little, 
And then Scott Frost has come in and has not been able to put anything together yet. He was supposed to, in 2018. I mean, he was like one of the hottest coaches in the country. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. How many wins do you think it's going to take for him to save his job this year? Is a bowl game enough? I think it is. I think it has to be. I think it has to be six. It, they have to get the, at least to 500. That is a really sad state of affairs. I mean, it's it's not too dissimilar from programs like Texas and Tennessee, who, I mean, Michigan fans, count yourself lucky because these are all programs that were once considered elite that are now just scrapping for bowl game appearances. Like Nebraska has fallen so far that I'm actually kind of rooting for them. Obviously, November 12th, I won't be, but I'm kind of pulling for them to get a bowl win. Like it's better for the Big Ten if there's another team in the West that's at least competent. The funny thing about Nebraska is I dislike Scott Frost more than I do Nebraska. I hate that the two have to be synonymous. Yeah, It it all just goes back to 97 when he was opining in the media about, come on, Tom Osborne's retiring. You got to make us number one. Look look what we just did today and neglecting the entire season and body of work and how Michigan was overwhelmingly number one in the AP poll. And then that worked and the coaches felt sorry for him. So I blame him for that more than Nebraska. Well, also the stuff with UCF claiming to be the national champion, claiming they outhit us, just like the way he carries himself. He looks like Scott Farkas from A Christmas Story. I don't like a very punchable face right up there with Ted Cruz for just a face you want to slap. I don't Fair. like Scott Frost either. I really don't. And I'm not rooting for him. But like I said, it's just better if Nebraska's at least competent. Like you got to find a way to be better than Illinois for the love of God. Also, shout out Nebraska fans. Some of the nicest people have had interactions. All their games are very welcoming people. Like it's, they deserve better than three and nine. They do, but I gotta say, I am a Colorado alum, and the bad blood between CU and Nebraska, That's like a little different. It is way different. Like if I go there as a Michigan fan, yeah, I think that I'll be pretty welcomed. Very kind people eat a lot of corn. Uh, but if I go there as a CU fan and a CU alum, I think I'm going to get a different reception. So uh, while they do seem very nice to us, I think it's just because like there's no bad blood. Like we've just owned them since they came to the Big Ten. Have they beaten us since they've come to the Big Ten? I don't think so. Pull it, I can pull it up real quick. Yeah, pull it up real quick. I'll, I'll touch on the defense real quick. Uh, the defense did show some, I guess, an improvement. The defense was better than you would expect. Four of their top five leading tacklers, leading tacklers return. They're really strong at linebacker position. Other than that, it's just like a lot, of, once again, like a lot of new faces. So it's hard to really say what they're going to be. They've recruited okay. It is officially Scott Frost's team now. Like, it's all players he's either recruited or have brought in via transfer. So, like, if there's going to be a year that this team takes on his identity, it should be this year. But I think the defense might take a little bit of a step back as well as the offense. So it's it's not looking good for him saving his job. No, it's not. And Nebraska actually has. They joined the Big Ten ahead of the 20, looks like the 2010 season. Is that it? Let me see. Okay. Uh, 2011. They joined in 2011, and they beat us in 2012, 23 to nine, and they beat us in 2013, 17 to 13, and in Ann Arbor. That's right. Yeah, yeah. In the uh, the doldrums of the Hoke era. Yeah, but then since then, nothing. And they've come close a couple times, and they've played us hard a couple times, but. That's that's just not going to be enough. Um, all right, brother, uh, let's get to it. Players of the game, key players of the game, and spread. Uh, key player of the game will go to a guy we just touched on with Mike Morris, uh, with them replacing both uh, tackles and a player of his caliber and, and obviously size. We'll have a big game here and have an impact in this one. And on offense, time to think, I'm thinking of last season. 
I think it's it's going to be more quorum. I think it's going to be a nice quorum game. He had the famous celebration last year, eating the corn in the end zone. The yes. big play. I think he's going to continue to do that as well in this one, eat him up a little bit more. And for spread, I think it'll be big, but it'll be respectable. I think it'll be about 17. That's pretty big. That's pretty big for, for this uh, opponent. I like the Mike Morris one. I'll go Mozzie Smith there for a lot of things you said. I think that controlling the offensive line, they're replacing their center. So good luck against Mozzie Smith. That's that's a tough ask. Uh, replacing their their edge, uh, their tackles as well, like you mentioned. So that's tough. Uh, I'm going to mix it up, though. I'm going to go uh, on offense here. I'm going to go A.J. Henning. A guy that just upon rewatch, I know they're going to feed this guy. I know they're going to feed him. It's going to be in gadget plays. Could be returned, probably is returning punts, probably, I would guess, is he's our punt returner. So I think he could have a big game. So I'll go Morris, or excuse me, Mozzie Smith and AJ Heading. Uh, Spread, I think that's a little rich for my blood. I'll go 13 and a half, uh, but it's all going to depend. Like we said last week, this deep into the season, these spreads are so hard to forecast. So it's almost pointless. Yeah, it's. I don't. I don't think it's going to be close. I do think it'll. It'll at least be ten. Honestly, in any scenario that you can like, foreseeably get there. Like, I think it's at least going to be ten. There's no way. I think this is like a six point spread. No, I just they're coming to Ann Arbor, man. Like, in last year was they they played well, but I mean they had a great atmosphere at Nebraska. Now you reverse the atmosphere with a slightly less experienced and I don't know about less talented, but definitely less experienced team. It's a tough ask. It's a tough ask for Nebraska. And uh, I guess this, the key here is don't get caught looking ahead two weeks. Yeah, that's the big uh, two weeks. So I think we're really reaching here. Like, don't yeah. get caught looking ahead two weeks after this team. Right, exactly. Uh, let's take a quick sponsor break. Support for Out of the Blue is brought to you by Manscaped, who is best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Their products are precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. Their performance package, the Ultimate Men's Hygiene Bundle. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with this exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. If my math is correct, that's about 10 million balls. Look, as someone who himself is not dissimilar from a noble forest state when it comes to the scraggly nature of their nether regions, I understand the importance of a good and a safe trim. And the Performance Package 4.0 has arrived, and it is a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 Trimmer, the Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a Travel Bag. The Lawnmower 4.0, first off, the trimmer of the future and grooming. Dare I say the greatest ball trimmer ever. Their fourth-generation trimmer features a cutting-edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to the advanced skin-safe technology. The Lawnmower 4.0 is waterproof and also has a 400K LED spotlight should you need a more precise shave. Because this trimmer is waterproof, you can say goodbye to the mess on the bathroom floor. You thought that was good, but want to take your grooming game even further to the next level? The Performance Package 4.0 also includes the Weed Whacker Nose, Ear, and Hair Trimmer, Weed Whacker is also waterproof and provides proprietary skin-safe technology, which helps reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in those delicate nose holes. Their Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant and Crop Reviver Ball Toner will change the way you approach your hygiene routine. Trust me when I say this, fellas, your balls will thank you. Manscaped even threw in a free gift to their Performance Package 4.0, the Manscaped Boxers and Shed Travel Bag. Bring your comfort and boxers to another level. Time to take care of yourself. Go to manscaped.com and get 20% off plus free shipping with the code MNB20. That's 20% off and free shipping with the code MNB20 at manscaped.com. 
20% off shipping and that manscaped.com. Use the code MNB20. Unlock your confidence and always use the right tools for the job with Manscaped. All right. After Nebraska, we have another game at home on November 19th. Should be pushovers. This is the Fighting Bielmas. The uh, the barbecue sauce man himself will be coming to Ann Arbor. Five and seven last year. Tenth consecutive losing season for Illinois. They had four losses decided by a touchdown or less. So this was a team that was really, really close to getting to a, a bowl game. I mean, a better better record than Nebraska has got to sting a little bit. Uh, they lose Brandon Peters, former Michigan guy. I don't know where he went. Did he get a uh, did he get like a um, a practice team? Not anywhere. Still a free agent. Still a free agent for Brandon Peters, which is a shame because he did show some stuff both at Michigan and at Illinois. I mean, he's not an elite guy, but there's there's talent with Brandon Peters. So uh, now they've got a uh, new quarterback coming in. I believe it's going to be a transfer. Um, Tommy DeVito is going to be the uh, the one year answer. He's coming from Syracuse. 2019, he had 2300 yards, 19 touchdowns. Uh, they also bring Artur Sitkowski into the yeah, building. Yeah, from Rutgers, baby. From Rutgers. So pair of transfers coming from the East Coast. Uh, Tommy DeVito definitely sounds like a guy that was filming uh, that's, movies. That's, that's his name in Goodfellas. That's Joe Pesci's name, literally in Goodfellas. I was just going to get there. I'm like, didn't that guy act with uh, with Robert De Niro and Scorsese for? <laughs> Uh, in the 90s yeah so great name from Tommy DeVito there uh, but it's just we'll see about what it's going to be on offense uh, Sitkowski is about as generic as you're going to get at a quarterback that guy's not exciting anybody um, yeah I, I don't know what are your what are your thoughts I got a new offensive coordinator coming in with Barry Lunny he was uh, with Bielma at Arkansas so he knows what his boss wants but I, I don't know better or worse for Illinois than last year Artur Siktowski at quarterback is like walking into a gas station on a hot summer day and you see Brisk and that's all they have and they're out of everything. It's like, well, I know this name, but it's not very good. And th- that is Artur Siktowski. He is the Brisk T of gas station beverages. So you know what you're getting. It's not that great. And then Tommy DeVito, I hope he does well because of the name, plays one of my favorite movie characters, one of the best movie villains ever. Yeah. Uh, Joe Pesci's famous character from Goodfellas we alluded to. Um, no, we're both Brett Bielema fans. He's great for the Big Ten. He is a good coach. He makes it seem very competitive. And they went into um, Penn State last year, into State College, and beat them at Beaver Stadium and took like nine overtimes. Nine, nine overtimes. But they beat them. But on senior day uh, with Ohio State the next week, even with that, I don't think Michigan's going to be caught looking ahead. Much like Maryland last year, Michigan handled their business, took care of everything, and then got on to the game. So on senior night, I think it'll be very emotional, and I think they'll handle them pretty, pretty easily. Yeah, they don't have much as far as wide receivers that can threaten us. Um, the the uh, strength of the team is the running back. Uh, Chase Brown was uh, over 1,000 yards last year. They bring in a guy, Josh McCray, that they're pretty high on. So they're going to want to run the ball. That's not anything new with a Brett Bielman team. Uh, on defense, Lovey Smith's team finished 97th nationally. Bielma comes in, brings in uh, Walters at defensive coordinator. They go to number 29 in scoring defense. And in total defense, they go from 114 to number 46. Huge, huge improvements on defense last year that I think Bielma really should get his flowers for. That was pretty impressive, the jump that they made on defense. 
Yeah, the barbecue sauce king is slept on. He's the butt of a lot of our jokes, but you and I respect him. Like what he did at Wisconsin, really building up that program. His Arkansas stint didn't work out for him, but now he's back where he like belongs and understands the game. And he's going to have this team be competitive. And I think they could come out in this one and like they're not going to be complete pushovers. Like they'll put up resistance in the first half of this one. And Michigan will have to, like, you know, slowly wear them down before they eventually, which I think will blow them out. This is 100% my pick for stay away from the betting on this one. Like yeah. it's going to be a big spread, but this is probably going to be like our Rutgers game last year where we're just like, what is going on? Like, why can we not break this thing open against these guys? Well, it's because they're stout on defense. They're decent enough on offense that they're probably going to be able to hold on to the ball. They're not going to put up huge points. Like they're not putting up 40 points. That's not happening. You're probably not putting up 30 points, but they might be able to put up 20 you know, and, and keep this thing close. So I'm staying away from this one as far as betting when that comes, especially with who's coming up the next week. It's impossible not to look ahead a little bit, especially coming off um, a really, really good season that Michigan had. Like there might be a little bit more looking ahead than we we typically prefer in this game. There could be some, but that's at least the good thing. You're at home this year. If you're able to run the ball, which can quell a lot of the nerves and help keep the team locked in. So um, for players of the game, I'm going to go with somebody in the secondary taking advantage of these young quarterbacks, or not really even young, just transfer quarterbacks young in the system. I'm going to go with Will Johnson. Young Will Johnson here, I think, could have a moment. And offensively, I'm going to go with J.J. McCarthy, the starting quarterback at this time of the year as I see things. And I think he's just going to be able to pick them apart at will to several different receivers. And I think a reasonable spread for this game is three touchdowns. That's about right. I would stay away from that if I were betting it. I think this yeah. game is actually going to be sneaky close um, just because of where it falls in the season. I like a lot of what you said there as far as picking players. It's hard. I'm going to go uh, just to try and mix things up a little bit. I'm going to go Ryan Hayes. We haven't mentioned him too much. Uh, protect your quarterback. Give us time to throw the ball. Give Corum and Edwards, you know, the ability to get out into space. Him and Olu, our best two offensive linemen, arguably Zincher, certainly worth mentioning there. So I'll go with him. Um, on defense, how about Jimmy Rolder breakout game? How about a Jimmy Rolder breakout game? This is a guy that I, I know has to play. He has to play. There's just simply no way around it. We don't have anyone else. So he's going to play, and uh, I am begging. I want it so bad. Another Jake Ryan type season. That was one of my favorite years to just watch a player just be not know what he's doing, but just have a, a knack for it. And I think Rolder does have like a knack for finding the ball. So that's that's a little bit of a deep cut for me. I like it, though. This is a good time of the year to have it. He could be more established. And this could, I mean, second to last game of the year last year is when Donovan Edwards broke out. So it could happen again here on the other side of the ball. Yeah, you do see it. This this point in the season, it's when like a lot of the freshmen are going to start. Whoever's going to be a guy, we're going to know as yeah. far as like freshmen and young guys. Like TJ Guy is another one. Like I could see TJ Guy by this point in the season being like, man, what a good piece he is. I don't know where he fits into this, but I could see it. So uh, I like that, sir. All right, um, and for spread for me, what did you have at, 17? Uh, no, that was uh, three touchdowns, 21. I'll, I'll go 17 then. Um, 17 I might mess with, but I think it's going to be closer. I could see this game being like an annoying 28 to 18 kind of game. Yeah, it, it could very easily be. I, I just don't see how Michigan's not at least going to score like 35 against this defense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Very. I mean, it is a good defense. It is a good defense. Yeah, yeah. They're stout. It's uh, you know, respect where respect is due. The man can slather and and grill some ribs and can coach a defense. So. 
Yeah. It's one of our favorite stretches of the year. We get Brett Bielema for the humor, and then we go into the biggest game of the season. Oh, it's going to be great podcasting around this time of the year. I also saw in an article, he has two daughters, and they're both named like Biloxi and, and Blow Mama. Or something. It's, like, it's like the most It's like Biloxi Bielema and, and Benema Bielema. And I'm like, are you serious? I like, was hoping whole... you would name him like Brettany or something. <laughs> <laughs> Brettany. <laughs> Yeah, I was like, this is a man that just like appreciates how big of a character he is. Like, there's no way Brett Beal. I want to see a hard knocks with Brett Bielma. I'm yeah. Her, uh, he has one daughter also named Briella, so that's great. There it is, Briella Bielma. Like that just sounds like the noise you make when you're smacking your lips after consuming <laughs> some ribs. Just want to hang out. If we ever get to interview Brett Bielema, it'd be the highlight of our careers. Oh my God! Well, we've got a little something that we're going to drop at the end of this about that. Uh, we, yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that after uh, Ohio State. So uh, don't log off. We do have uh, an announcement about a pretty big one next week. That's just a little foreshadowing. But let's get to the main event of this podcast, sir. November twenty sixth, my favorite time of the year. You're getting close to Thanksgiving. You're around your family, and the main event comes. It is. <sighs> I mean, we've already did. We did last year. If you want a good listen, go listen to our The Only Rivalry podcast that matters uh, last year about Ohio State. This isn't the time to get too deep into it. We'll do that in November where we break down what this rivalry is all about. So I'm not going to get too deep into this, but we're going to the horseshoe November 26th. Coming off of the biggest win of our lifetimes. I mean, other than we were alive in 97, but like that we were there watching. Definitely the biggest win since we've been podcasting. Oh, easily. And the biggest win, I became a Michigan fan right around the 0304 range, um, not being from the state, not growing up in it. Easily the biggest win I've been there like to experience. I mean, I was there, so it's yeah. definitely the biggest win I've ever been like privy to actually attending. Yeah, I don't think that's going to change anytime soon, too. No. Like It's going to be a while before there's a game with that kind of stakes either. So, I mean, like this year, is it could have, I mean, the way we see it, it's probably going to have Big Ten and national title implications once again. So it is once again a huge game. But this Ohio State team is ready to roll this year. I think they have a better team. I think that they got better in, in places where they were deficient. It's This game is going to come down to mentality, I really think. Like, are we in Ryan Day's head? Are we in these players' head like after last year where we saw like, Hey, like I don't we don't care about your stars. We don't care that you got five stars everywhere. Like we have our system and that system is predicated on our guy beating the guy in front of them and that doesn't matter about stars. We can outscheme you. We can we can do the little things. We can avoid turnovers. We can avoid penalties. Are we in their head? Is is what I'm really hoping to see coming into this game and it's possible. It is possible. Like Ryan Day seems to me like I don't know, like like a real housewife of Columbus. If that makes any sense, I just, I just think that he's like, he's superficial. I don't know that he's got that dog in him. So it's possible that we're in his head. It is possible. I'm not saying it's official. It's possible. We're really going to find out how good of a coach Ryan day is because Harbaugh hit the nail on the head last year, like alluding to people being born on third base and Ryan day very much was with what he inherited from urban Meyer. And I disagree with you a little bit. I think uh, on the defensive line, they're better. Uh, remains to be seen with their linebackers and what their safeties can do in uh, Knowles' new scheme coming over from Oklahoma State. 
and more really predicated against the pass. They, I think they will be improved there, but you can run all the seven and seven and nine on seven you want, but until you actually get down in the trenches of what Michigan does, which makes the Wolverines such a hard matchup for them, we'll really see what their merit is. Offensively, I think they, I think they take a step back. Their backup running back today is injured out for the season, blew out his knee in practice. They lose two first-round receivers that are really complimentary pieces to what Jackson and Jigba does best being a possession slot guy. So I'm interested to see how they're going to like like fill in those gaps because you just don't replace that kind of experience, especially Chris Olave, who is the most prolific receiver in their history. So I have a little bit of insight. I guess it's inside. I'm doing air quotes right now. I went to a golf outing uh, up in Michigan that had all of like the Ohio high school coaches at the big programs. There was some Michigan area uh, program coaches. So I was just chatting with these guys. The uh, head coach of Toledo was there. Jason Candle was there. So I was just getting as much information as I could while I was out on the golf course with these guys. And they are so high on what Jim Knowles is about to bring to this defense. He turned Oklahoma State into a top five defense. And some of these guys have been down there. They've, they've been around the program. They're high. These, these high school coaches in Ohio and Michigan are like, yeah, this defense is going to be greatly, greatly improved. I don't know if I'm buying it quite as much as they are selling it because that's what's coming out of Ohio state's camp. Of course, Ohio state's going to be like, yeah, we've fixed everything, you know? Um, but Niles is the real deal, man. Top yeah. five at Oklahoma State is not easy. They bring in new uh, assistants in the secondary as well, uh, guys that were at Cincinnati and just put a bunch of people to the NFL. Like the Cincinnati secondary was awesome. Like I, I do think that this defense is going to be improved. They've recruited super well, but they're just not really known for their defense, even when they recruit super well. Like if Michigan recruited at the level they recruited, I, I have to imagine that we're doing more with with that. Don't you think? I, absolutely, I do because I think really, Harbaugh has really done the most to exact out of these players the, the absolute last drop of talent. And like I get that, like Jim Knowles came to like uh, Oklahoma State and helped turn that defense around, but he came there after they had been a ten win season, three teams in a three years in a row under Mike Gundy. They'd won, they've been good and relevant since two thousand eight, and they won nine games back to back, then eleven and twelve. So it's like it wasn't he didn't revamp like a terrible team. It wasn't like Rutgers or UConn or somebody like that. He came to an established program, an established culture and helped bring a good scheme in there. But really again, against the past, it's the big 12, no powerhouse running team exists in the big 12. So it's going to be a lot different to see how they stop him running his three, three, five. I do think they will be improved though. Like I, I do, but it's like, it's going to be a lot different. And you hit the nail on the head there at the end. It's not like these guys out of Ohio State's camp are going to be like, man, do we suck? <laughs> <laughs> We've taken a step. We're saying the same thing with Michigan. They're not going to be coming out and be like, guys, we're in trouble. Like, I mean, don't buy tickets. We are in big trouble. So I think a lot of that is just noise. And it's it's the time of optimism. So I do think they'll be improved. But it's you're really going to like get their merit tested this year. And can you imagine the state in Columbus if Ryan Day loses two in a row to Michigan? I mean, that's what we've said, and we're going to keep saying it. So we'll say it one more time right here. It's house money a little bit for us this year because, like, look, man, we just went through the worst losing period in the history of the rivalry. You think we can't take a loss on the road to end up 10-2 and two and make the Rose Bowl? We'll be fine. We'll be fine if that happens. You and I will be like, yeah, great season. That was awesome. But if we win, oh, my God. Oh my God, it's going to be chaos. They will call for his head. I know enough Ohio State fans. I grew up around this rivalry as, as close to it as a human possibly could. They will call for his head if we win. Absolutely. And uh, last year I wrote an article about how to beat Ohio State and avoid death. A little tease, have a Ooh. sequel. 
Say, say, okay. Oh, go ahead, well, but yeah. make sure you save the the point there. Oh yeah, I got a, I got a sequel coming for uh, next week, so be on the lookout for that. Not going to reveal the secrets of it yet, but um, no man, I'll go ahead and get into my players of the game though, and take oh, off too, with, too, oh. too soon. We haven't even talked on the offense. Too okay, soon. okay. I'm sorry. Yeah, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. This is Ohio State. Let's give them their due diligence. We did 47 minutes on the front half. Let Let's her breathe. Least, yeah, let, let, let let it breathe a little bit. He says. Uh, <laughs> So on offense, like, yeah, defense has improved. On offense, it's interesting to think, will they improve or will they take a step back? Uh, you brought up a couple podcasts ago, like the same point we're making or people are making about Hutchinson Ojabo. You don't lose those guys and get better. The same could be said for their wide receiver group. Like you don't lose Olave and Wilson and get better. But Smith and Jigba set school records in receptions, receiving yards, And he had 347 yards and three touchdowns in the Rose Bowl. Like, this might be the best one to come through the group. But was he eating because of the offense and the attention around him? And in the Rose Bowl, was he eating because a running back was guarding him? If you put Blake Corum (laughs) out on a a, a good receiver, the guy's going to eat. Like, come on. I love the lack of respect you have for him. It, it, of it, course, it, of course I do. Jackson with the Jigba is a good player, but it's like he had a, I mean, he had two guys around him that were like just draw, like, like created in a lab to be complimentary with the deep threat of Olave. And then Garrett Wilson, who is so flashy after the catch, like, and then just in Jigba being the nice possession slot guy. I can't wait to watch this matchup because it could be my guy, Mikey on him. No, it's gotta be Turner on Smith. And he, Jigba, plays right? he plays in the slot. He plays in the slot. Yeah, but they might move him to the outside. He's six foot. He can play outside. Uh, I think they're going to work him in there with Marvin Harrison Jr. on the Harrison Jr. is probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're probably right. Harrison Jr. is strong Nico Collins vibes. Like, I do like How dare you? How dare you? I like Harrison. I like him. Allow me to like a player. He's not. I'm not. I like Nico Collins a million times more, but he's good. I can't hear this right now. How dare you? You're going to say this in my presence? You're going to say this to me? You say this in public, like in private with your Toledo friends. You don't say this to me. I like Collins more than you. I'm the biggest Collins guy there is. I'm just saying. I see a little bit of the energy. He's good. He's the The son of Marvin Harrison. What's his best? game clip he was a freshman yeah exactly don't you dare put nico collins around him this is ridiculous i'm a big i am a big believer in the bloodlines the john runyon rule all right it look antoine winfield joey porter over at penn state there's numerous examples i am a believer in the bloodlines harrison is going to be a beast all right credit where credit is due i I, look i'm just I, i see some of the nico collins in him all right. I like Nico Collins a million times more. I love that you're upset though. This pleases God, me. This is this is horrendous. I, I just <laughs> I can't stand for this. Like I, just, I no. If I'm gonna say something good about this offense, I'm gonna say Travion Henderson is yeah. Great asset, but I don't know what they're going to do. Backing him up now without Master Teague there, you don't have the experienced guy coming to spell him. And also, it took a while for like Henderson and Stroud could be inconsistent at times last year. They could either be they're going to go off or they're going to be really slow into it, like you saw against Oregon or you saw against Michigan. Like it could be a little bit here, a little bit there, but the it was very up and down. So I'll be interested to see how they handle this year. Everyone's projecting their offensive line to be better. I mean. They got manhandled by us last year. They're kicking a guard out to tackle. So I think it's going to be a tougher sell. Again, this is the year you're going to find out Ryan Day's worth as a head coach. I'm with you. I disagree on the offensive line. I think the offensive line actually gets worse. You lose petite frere, which in French means little brother, which is the funniest thing ever (laughs) for how Aiden Hutchinson manhandled him. And you lose Thayer Munford. Paris Johnson's really good. That was like their super highly recruited, uh, recruited tackle. So, I mean, 
they they have of course they have four or five stars everywhere at every position uh, but they're replacing like seasoned starters on the offensive line um, I, I I don't know I think Mozzie Smith's going to be able to eat against them so I'm not quite as high on the offensive line but pretty much everywhere else they get better a little little something worth mentioning with Henderson like you and I have kind of alluded to a little bit of concern with uh, Blake Corum being an every down back like Haskins could take punishment like no back we've seen since like Chris Perry who had insane touches that you brought up like crazy number 53 against Michigan State in that one year what the hell (laughs) yeah what in the hell are we doing here Um, but there's a little bit of that with Henderson can Henderson do 12 games as the lead back that's a lot of run, man. And it's really like if they can't run the ball, they really struggle like as an offense. Like they need that running game first. And you look back at Ohio State with uh, J.K. Dobbins, Zeke Elliott. That's what they've been predicated on is establishing the run and then really working in the deep shots. And you saw it happen against Oregon. You saw it happen against Michigan. Like if they can't run the ball consistently, this offense becomes very average. I'm with you, man. Uh, let's do a minute on CJ Stroud here. I wanted to see your thoughts on him because he had crazy numbers. 72% completion percentage last year. 4,435 yards and 44 touchdowns against six interceptions. Like, it's hard to deny those numbers. But then we've watched the Ohio State game. I think I've watched that more than, like, most of my favorite movies. Like, I've seen that game a million times. And Stroud struggled. When there was pressure and there was like, I mean, granted, we were really, really good in the secondary against them last year and their receivers just made insane catches. But in rewatching that, does Stroud look elite to you, at least in the Michigan game? He's a Gen Z quarterback, man. He grew up in the seven on seven era, doesn't like to be hit, doesn't like to get flustered, doesn't like to lose. And then he throws out excuses like, oh, I had the flu and it was cold outside. No, soft. S-A-W-F-T. Soft. Like, no, absolutely not. I'm not a CJ Stroud. I mean, I'm being shocker. I'm not a CJ Stroud believer. It's me. Um, no, I, I just, I don't like the excuse making. I don't like the way he played under pressure. I don't like his decision making when the first read is not there or when the scheme isn't designed. Ryan Day is a master at offensive passing game schemes, and he makes life very easy for his quarterbacks. But when life broke down, he did he wasn't able to do what Justin Fields could do. Justin Fields could play make in a lot of different ways. I don't think CJ Stroud has him. I don't think he has that dog in him. I think he, I mean, granted, he's another year. He's going to get better just by being in the system more. But you're absolutely right. Like what you notice about last year is the two things that won won us that game are obviously Hassan Haskins, clearly the most obvious thing that's ever been said by a human. But then it's, it's the pass rush. It is the pass rush is maybe equally as important. We were in his face. Aiden Hutchinson was an absolute menace all day. And it shook him. Like it definitely shook him. Even the passes that were getting completed late in the game where they were like, oh my God, how are they staying in this? We're insane catches by Olave and Wilson. Like it took superhuman efforts against great coverage. Will that happen again? I don't know. Like, I think our secondary is better than it is last year. So like, I don't know if our pass rush is better. I doubt it, but the secondary is going to take another leap. So he's going to have to fit the ball into tight windows. And if we can pressure him again and hit him a bunch, we need to hit him a bunch. That's clearly the answer here. Get in his face, make him hurt. It's going to be cold. It's outdoors, like God willing, it's snowing again. Like, I don't think he's built for it. I agree with you there. Like Ohio State quarterbacks, historically, like Troy Smith was a different animal, but like historically, they're not necessarily like, I mean, I don't want to bring in the NFL part of it, but like, are they really like elite gamers? You know, big lights come on other than Troy Smith, obviously, um, and Dwayne Haskins destroyed us you know in that one game but 
you know, let, let, let's not bring up what we were doing on defense. But yeah, I, I do agree with that point that like I'm not buying him as a gamer. And, uh, you know, they're, they're, they're saying CJ Stroud and Bryce Young are number one and number two. Bryce Young is so much more accurate than CJ Stroud. Yeah, he really is. It's just the size and I think the frame that limits uh, Bryce Young. But no, man, do you want to get into the, how you see this game playing out? Because this is what I'm really interested in talking about. This, yeah, Of course, absolutely. So, uh, I mean, we've kind of alluded to how we see it, like the keys of the game. Uh, every single year, don't change. Like from the 30s on, you know? I mean, back before <laughs> World War II broke out, the keys to the game have always been the same. And, you know, you've written several great articles that called it out. And your one last year was couldn't have been more spot on. You got to win the rushing battle. You got to win the rushing battle. It's just, I, I mean, it is one of the facts of nature. Like the earth is, the earth is not flat. The earth is round, and you got to win the rushing battle to beat Ohio State. This is trenches, both sides of the ball. This is trenches again, and I think it's going to go to the guys that really want to make a name for themselves this season. And two got two different guys for two different reasons. Oluwatimi coming over to the Big Ten, Remington finalist. If he wants to win the Remington, it's going to be a big statement game right here. Anchoring, leading this offensive line into Columbus, setting the tone, leadership, playmaking, everything he can do can really open up things to run the ball here. And defensively, this is Mozzie Smith time. You don't be the number one. You can be number one on the freaks list. That's all well and good, but you got to come out here and make plays. You got to have a, like the Aiden Hutchinson three sack game. You got to have something like that. You don't need three sacks from Mozzie Smith, but you need the equivalent of a couple TFLs. You got to be disruptive. You have to just be a Jordan Davis type of menace in the middle of this to ruin everything for Ohio State. You don't need to get cute with this game. Stars need to be stars in this game. Look at our guys last year. It was Haskins. It was Hutchinson. It was Ojabo. And then there was other guys that we consider like up and coming stars that made plays. Quorum outrushed Travion Henderson on a bum ankle. Yep. So my first guy is Corum. That is like the easiest pick ever. If Corum's healthy coming into this game, I'm going to feel awesome about it. That's a big one. How about Trevor Keegan, the guy last year that started the smoke um, oh, when there, yeah, you know, when there was the, the little dust up there. How about Trevor Keegan coming back and being like one of the guys that's because Olu, I love that, but Olu isn't a part of this rivalry. I don't think that he can come in and appreciate this rivalry like the cats that have been in there. So I love that. Like he's one of my most, like I'm super excited to watch him play. I think he's going to be probably top four players on the team just as far as like overall competency. But he hasn't been there. So give me one of the guys that's been there. Give me Corum and Keegan on offense. Uh, Ronnie Bell. That's, stars stars got to be stars. Stars have got to be stars. He's never beaten Ohio State on the field. He hasn't been on the field. Ronnie Bell. Like, that would be a guy that's like – I mean, I don't love their secondary. They get Josh Proctor back at safety, who was supposed to be a big deal last year. <laughs> you didn't see him, but Andy, Andy doesn't care. Andy is not important. <laughs> Uh, you know, they have, they've recruited nothing but four and five stars in the back end, but these dudes don't stick around very long. They're three years and gone and they're usually not starting as freshmen. So usually you're getting players in the secondary that only play two years. So like, and something that we've mentioned a bunch, I don't think that right now, Ohio state players care as much about the rivalry as Michigan players care about the rivalry. Cause these are cats that are getting recruited from Florida, Texas. They're there to go to the NFL. They're not there for like what this means to, to local football fans. Michigan fan, Michigan players see it totally different. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, you saw that last year just with the build up. Like they get in on it because it is the rivalry, but you see the, the dumb stuff like them stepping on JJ's jersey and things like that. And dumb, just stupid things. And it's like these guys breathe. I mean, Aiden Hutchinson breathes right. He was going to Michigan since he was born. Like he had no choice. 
and great parenting. And he just had no choice to do it. Like it meant so much more to them. Like Ryan Hayes from Traverse City, like a bunch of different guys from the area grew up in it. And it means more when you're just getting your ass kicked for a decade. Like these guys just step in like a machine and we just keep on winning. But when you have to sit there and endure it and hear it from your friends, your family, people you live with, you know what it's like in Toledo. So it's like, it means so much more to them. And you saw it all just like culminate last season. And I don't think that feeling is dissipating anytime soon. I'm with you on defense. I see it a little different. I was, obviously Mozzie Smith, like we were saying, stars got to be stars in this one, but they're all about their pass game. This has got to be Turner and green. This has got to be more and Moten. This has got to be the back end playing stout. Cause I, I'm sorry. I don't care what you say. Our pass rush isn't going to be better. I think it'll be more disruptive in the interior, but I don't think overall, like we don't have a player from Michigan that embodies everything that Michigan is about. Like Aiden Hutchinson, no. like that is a once in a generation guy to come through. That's a legacy guy that is like the heart and soul of the team that is like the 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 mascot of the team for all intents and purposes like i mean hutchinson was the heartbeat so you don't replace that so you gotta you gotta somehow spell that with like really sound defensive line play which i think we will but you've got to really play strong you can't let in jig but go crazy so i'm gonna go turn i'm gonna go just the whole back end but i'll highlight dj turner here yeah, it's got to be just like it was last year, keeping everything in front of you, long drives. Rod Moore, another good option. Like I said, co-led the team in tackles last year. Columbus kid, not recruited by Ohio State. So again, another player this just means so much more to is somebody like that that has just the biggest chip on their shoulder and keeping them all up front. So no, man, this is, oh, it's going to be war again. November 26th is, it's going to be war. Uh, we discussed it. I think maybe uh, we're watching it together, right? Yes. Let's go ahead and let's put it on air. Yeah. I mean, what else do I got going on? I'll drive down to you. You drive up to me. We'll figure it out. We, yes. got, yeah. we need to be in each other's presence because I really fumbled the bag last year by not going with you. It was, you know, all is forgiven. You know, I mean, I don't need to rub it in. You know what you missed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, though, this year is going to be good. Last year, keep in mind, Ohio State was a seven point favorite in Ann Arbor. Against a ten and one Michigan team, so hey, I won some money on that one. So that was great. I won quite a bit of money off Michigan last year. I'm hoping to to repeat this year. So how do you see the spread on this one? Ohio State's going to be favored again. I think people. Yep. Will, I think it's going to be close to the same line as last year. No matter what the records are, I think Ohio State and Michigan both come in with no more than one loss. And I mean, at the lightest, they're both eleven and zero. So I think Ohio State's going to get a touchdown again. I think it's a seven points in Ohio State's favor at home. I think so, too. I think that, uh, I mean, you're already starting to hear some of the disrespect towards Michigan creep back in like it was a one-off kind of thing. Some Good. people like Joel Klatt, who have always respected Michigan, see it differently and are you know, a little bit more friend to the program. But a lot of other people are like, ah, it was just a one-off. It was Aiden Hutchinson. It was Hassan Haskins. So I think it'll either be a field goal or it'll be a touchdown. It'll be like a one-score type of deal. It'll probably be a touchdown. I think you're right. I think it's going to be six and a half. Can you just – I just – Oh man, the dissension. I mean, buildings will burn in Columbus if we. Michigan has not won in Columbus since two thousand. That's crazy. Like winning on the road in front of their fans. Like, yeah, they will absolutely burn down buildings. They'll burn down the state capitol. Like, if we go in, if we house them, if we go in and house Ohio State. Oh my God. 
I, I don't know. Because like, 2016 should have been the win in Columbus. Like, we all know what happened. Don't need to relitigate. No, we, but, we did win. Yeah, we did win. But 2000, it's been since 2000, Michigan's gotten a win there. So it's like last year, you got to steal a bunch of traditions. I think you got to steal one more back this year. Yeah, absolutely. And Ohio State doesn't have their like thing that they do every year, but it doesn't matter. Like that should be enough to get this team hungry. Like, and uh, you know, well, we'll they, touch they on have it. one thing we can steal. I'm, it's, it'll, I'm I have it coming out next week. I'll tell you off air. A little tease. Oh. All right. Yeah. yeah. A little bit of a tease, a little bit of a tease, but yeah, I agree with you, man. So, all right. Uh, it's time record predictions. I have toiled back and forth. I'm actually, uh, I had one earlier in the podcast. Sounds like I'm getting emotional. Kind of am. I said, Michigan was going to go at us coming into this game, you know, 10 and one. I have bold predictions coming out tomorrow or day of this coming releases, whatever the day of the week it is. And I'm just going to put it on the table. Last year, I was, nobody else was saying it, but me 10 and two this year. Teams built different cultures, different 12. Let's go. <laughs> well, you just called us at 11 and one though with the Iowa loss, but you're saying I'm like, I'm backing up. I'm backtracking. <laughs> I'm backtracking. I mean, look, your flowers are deserved. Last year, Michael Spath had us at six and six. Most of the prominent Michigan writers had us at seven and five or eight and four. I had us at nine and three. You had us at 10 and two. We were two of the more optimistic guys. Granted, that's kind of what we do here. I mean, we're a Michigan podcast. We're not going to sit here and dump on Michigan. But I genuinely think you and I believe in what is going on. We just broke this team down over the last four podcasts and gave you every reason why we should believe in this team. Like yeah. I, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think 10 and two is the floor. I think 12 and 0 is the ceiling. 10 and two is a crazy floor. I yes. guess it's nine and three with, with injuries. I right. guess nine and three is technically the floor with injuries. Season has gone to hell if it's nine and three. Yeah. Like nine and three is the season. Like somebody got injured. Both the quarterbacks were out. Corum and Edwards are out for Penn state or something. Yeah. Like that's what it would take. Like I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, I'm going to go 11 and one. I'm going to go in 11 and one. I think we get it done. Like until Ryan day proves that he's got that dog in him. He's the most born on third base kind of guy I've ever seen in my life. I never am going to trust a guy with lip filler and, and, (laughs) and, and and that much Botox. I can't trust it. No, it's like the best thing for would be is if next year, Michigan goes to Columbus 11 and overs, 11 and O just like 2006. Like it's in Columbus again. It's time to write the wrong. I mean, if that happens, I'm uh, this year. Lessons were learned. I'm not planning a trip that leaves December first this year. No, because no. that's why that's why I couldn't be at the game. I was about to fly down to South America for a four month stay, so I'm not doing that this year. I'm waiting until we see what happens. Like lessons are learned. So, like I, I think it was just it, it. And you were like one of the more optimistic guys last year because you hadn't. You, you've been through a lot of the losses. I mean, you've experienced nothing but losses. Yeah, but for, you think? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. But like for some of us, like it was a little bit even worse because like 2003 was like we hadn't won a bunch. You know, we mm-hmm. won 2000, 01 and 02, we lost. 03, we, 03, we win and then nothing, nothing. And 11 felt so fluky because of the sanctions that came down within the program and disarray. Like it just didn't have the same feel. 
Yeah. And I, th- and I think that even Michigan fans like are kind of in agreement there. Like yeah. we love that victory. It was huge for the program, but we were like, can he do this in a regular year? Can Brady Hoke do this year in and year out? Or was this just like a Ohio state and shambles thing? And like, I'm not giving props to them. I'm just saying that's what happened that year. God, no, it's, oh, man, it's, it's almost here. And next week we have one more pod to get through and then the season is upon us. The season is upon us. I'm down in Panama right now, so I've got the first two games uh, down in Panama, and then I'll be back, and I'll be attending a lot of these things. So uh, we're going to have to figure some stuff out where we get some like tailgating going, mm-hmm. want to meet the fans, like want to want to ham it up with some of the Michigan faithful. Like that would and, be that would really please me. And you should tell them who we're having on the podcast next week. It's time. It's time. Now, uh, this is, this is, I won't say set in stone, but it's looking like it's happening. A return guest, one of our favorite human beings to ever draw breath. Uh, definitely the biggest guy we've ever had on this podcast. Sir Desmond Howard will be here next week for our podcast. Uh, we are going to talk. I, I don't know what we're going to talk about. It's going to be Michigan football, but we're developing some, some rather in-depth questions that a little bit different than what he probably gets on his his normal appearance. We want to be a little more unique with it. And uh, Des is a great guest, just likes to talk ball, very giving, very loquacious. So uh, looking forward to having him back on the podcast and just catching up with everything. All-time charisma guy. All-time. Oh, All-time, yeah. Him, Kurt Russell. Yeah, him. It's like him, Kurt Russell, Steve McQueen, James Dean. Like, I, can't I don't wait know. to tell Desmond Howard that you think Marvin Harrison Jr. is Nico Collins. You just Look, wait. I, I, I said, said he's got some. I said he's got some Nico Collins in him. Say it to Desmond Howard. I, all right, I'm gonna ask. You know what? We just added that question to the docket. I'm gonna ask him to talk about the Ohio State wide receivers. Yeah, that's your him. fault. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we are not having Desmond Howard talk about Ohio State receivers. No, it's your fault. <laughs> I swear to God, I will leave. <laughs> I will abandon the podcast. I will go. It'll just be gone out of the blue with Jared. <laughs> then it's just like the blue. It's like not even. <laughs> like, we can't do that. We can't and he do took that. the out when he left. So it's just blue now. <laughs> Look, Nico Collins is going to have a breakout year in Houston this year. I'm telling you right now, even with a trash quarterback. Hey, I, I Davis Mills, not that bad. Certainly has a knack. Man, a man with a neck like that, you know he can sling the pill. Just give him time. <laughs> His neck is wider than like a wild boar. Yeah, I mean, he man has the neck of a Vietnam general. Like I, yeah, I support this. <laughs> Let's go. I absolutely <laughs> love it, man. Yeah, dude, I love your uh, your twelve and zero comment too. Andy, not messing around this year, nor should you, man. the The time has come for for us to rise up and uh, just remember what we said at the top of this thing. Don't give in to the trolls. Like we know how good this team is. Like. We, we've been pretty close every year in our predictions last year, kind of being a little bit of an outlier because of the 2020 season. Like we would have been a lot closer if 2020 wouldn't have happened. That yeah, it trash. doesn't make any sense to me that last year's the outlier when 2020 clearly is because this team has won ten, most of the time. There's this, the ceiling coming into this like year outside of 2020 was eight wins in 2017 right. when the ceiling collapsed because of all the quarterback injuries. Besides that, it's like 10 wins, nine wins, consistently year in, year out, winning games. No, people pick and choose what they want. And like if you're going to come with an argument, at least have your facts straight. Yeah, and another guy that probably like if it – goes according to how you and I see it. JJ McCarthy, this is going to be like, if he's starting the chance for legend type of stuff. Like if McCarthy comes in and his first start against Ohio state, it's a win on the road, like legend type stuff begins to, to come out of Ann Arbor. 
God, just I, I can't take any more, dude. It's got week zero next week. Week zero. We can't wait. We're going to be with you for the duration. We thank you so much for being with us in this off season. You guys are the absolute best. We're going to keep coming with as much content as we can give you. Uh, we've been saying it for a couple of years. Uh, COVID kind of threw it off. The move to video is imminent. It's happening. Like I, I'm putting putting that down right now. Uh, we will be moving over to video here soon. Go ahead, plant my flag. I've got some new articles coming out. Might be this week. Might be next week. He's Andy, back, ladies and gentlemen. He's back, baby. The fingers have been dusted off. Andy never stops. He's an absolute machine. Go over to Amazing Brew. Check out all that we've got going out. Uh, we, our, our content just gets more and more every single year. We really, really appreciate you guys. Thank you so, so much. Uh, that's going to do it for Out of the Blue tonight. Make sure that you like, share, subscribe wherever you get your podcast, whether it's Apple Music, Spotify, anywhere you can get a podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Mason Brew. I'm Jared. That's Andy. This is Out of the Blue. We'd like to remind you that wherever you go, go blue. <laughs> <laughs>